So welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the MatchFit podcast. I'm Darren, and here we are, another episode, another episode of the MatchFit podcast. You can find us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at MatchFit Football for all your footballing needs. Check out the website as well. There's lots of good content on there and all forms of social media. But today's guest, I'm joined by a Crystal Palace defender, Leanne Cowan. Leanne, welcome to the show. Delighted to get you on. Thanks for having me, Darren. It's great to have you here. Um, obviously, we were chatting a little bit and you're recovering. You had a game last night and you're able to chill out a little bit today before getting back at it tomorrow. How do you feel? Game a day after a game day? How's the legs? How's the morale? What's going on? Uh, so for me, uh, day after a game, legs-wise, I usually feel quite rubbish just because um, the games are so intense and our main thing um, at Crystal Palace is work rate is non-negotiable. It's the bare minimum. So... Mm. You know, for that the time that you're on the pitch, you work and you empty the tank and you give everything mm. you've got. So um, I had to work as well before yesterday. So just slightly a little bit more sore. So, but morale-wise, we're good. Uh, we drew the game, but because it was a cup game, it went to pens and we got the extra point because we won the shootout. So, mm. I mean, all is well. We got the extra point. We would have liked three, but, you know, that's just football sometimes. It is. And what is good is, you navigated the penalty shootout and you got the win, you got the points and everything's good, you know, and it's on to, on to the next one. And when what we say in the cup games, isn't it? You're into the next round. Yeah, definitely. So we're in like a group. So just to get some points on the board in that group is is a good feeling. <laughs> Absolutely. And you mentioned that work rate non-negotiable at Crystal Palace. And we're going to touch a little bit on your journey. Um, whenever you did move to Palace, you know, from, you know, Millwall or the Lionesses, and you moved across um, to Crystal Palace. Was that a big transition for you or was work rate always something that was ingrained in you from, you know, your early days playing football? I think from when I started to play, I always wanted to work hard, you know, do my best when I was out on the pitch. So that's something that has always been like a bare minimum for me growing up and in every team I've played in. It's right. We work hard. You you do your job, you empty the tank and you just play to the best of your ability. Um, transition wise, it was actually quite a big transition for me because it was the first time I'd been released in my career and not been offered a new contract and had to go elsewhere. So I found that part of the journey um, difficult at the start and then became easier once I went over and I met all the girls and then we started to train and then started to feel like I was part of the team. So it was a big transition, but I think um, work rate's always been something that's been non-negotiable, but here it's just like, it is demanded. And if you don't give it, they take you off and they put someone on that will give it. It's a, it's a phenomenal experience. And what I want to touch on is you mentioned that you were released and it was a bit of a hard time in your career for you. And I want to touch on that a little bit. Was there ever any fears or doubts at that particular time, or maybe being in that unknown or unsureness of what to do? Or was there always the option on the table of other clubs coming looking? Or how was that feeling for you during that period? Uh, well, I'd say at first it was not a shock. Like I, I thought it was coming. Um, but I think just the reality of, right, I woke up yesterday and I was signed at this club. I've woken up today and I'm a free agent. I don't really know what to do. Um, I struggled a little bit with injury last year as well. So that was in the back of my mind. Will anyone even want to sign me because I've had that issue? Because um, it's like it's still an ongoing issue that I have to this day. Um, so it's just like good management of it that helps me perform in training, perform games. So. For me, there was there was a lot of fear, there was a lot of doubts, there was a lot of question in my career path at that choice of right, I've had a good seven years in this league. Do I put my focus elsewhere and try to establish myself in another career, or do I just get my head down, work hard, get healthy again, and you know, see if there are any other clubs that want me? So I think emotionally it was it was a big challenge for me because I'd never been in that situation. And, you know, I spoke to a couple of my friends who are in the same, who are in the same situation as me. And, you know, we talk about it almost daily because like, at the time we didn't really have anything else to talk about, mm -hmm. especially as the season was over. So, you know, just trying to figure out the next plan and what we were going to do. But um, I actually started to work within that time with a sports psychologist mm -hmm. and we, we still work now. So we just catch up for an hour every couple of weeks and we just talk about all the feelings that I've had and how, 
that's had a positive or negative impact on me on performance in training on my recovery so I found that was a really big help because you feel like you want to talk to people about it but you don't want to talk to them you don't want to talk someone to death about it like mm -hmm. oh she's still talking about this like she needs to get over it because you just feel like there's going to be that judgment whereas it was just like we just sat for an hour and he just basically asked me questions gearing towards emotionally how I felt and mm -hmm. what challenges I was going to have to overcome and ways that I could manage my feelings and emotions within that time so I found that really helpful that's something fascinating because it's almost sometimes still a little bit of a tabooed subject you know is that vulnerability and opening up and obviously for you being able to go and do that and have those conversations has helped you um one of the questions i was going to ask next and this ties in beautifully to that is in your opinion what are the keys to success and the keys to elite performance and you were able to acknowledge something that you felt maybe you needed help with and you're able to go and work on that and you're also you mentioned earlier on before we went live and we're going to touch on this as well that you always analyze the game the day after you know you, you played last night and you've already watched the game back today to reanalyze what you did well what you didn't do well and what you want to improve on what are the other keys or what are the other fundamentals that you believe are pretty much integral to your success and elite and professional performance I think um, just preparation. So one thing that was um, introduced to us at London City was being a 24 hour athlete. So, mm. you know, the key factors of performance for me is, you know, getting your sleep because your body needs to rest and recover. And that's the time it does that best. Um, your nutrition, your hydration, fueling your body the right way. Um, like your body essentially when you're playing football is your car. And, you know, if you put the wrong gas in the car, you're going to burn out you're not going to play well but if you fuel your body with the right foods the right amount of um you know water throughout the day uh you, you're going to be you're going to have a better chance of performing better because your body will be more at an optimum level um something that i took big emphasis on was just you know like gym work snc so in the off season i had to do about six seven weeks of intense gym you know three four sessions a day so gym work, other sessions, uh, things like foam rolling for recovery, little stretching sessions for half an hour, you know, just the little things that help you gain 1%. And for me, like I like to be organized. So I'll plan my week from the Sunday night from after a game and think about what I'm going to do, when I'm going to get up early and stretch, when I'm going to, if I'm walking my dog, just take five minutes and have a little stretch after getting loosened up. And just, again, having that time to yourself to reflect and be mindful so like when we analyzed the game like it wasn't up last night but if it was maybe i would have watched it i couldn't really sleep you know post-game adrenaline is a big thing but i think just like i touched on before being able to reflect openly and be honest with yourself and be accountable for the things that you need to improve on um and then that just that helps me go into my training week so i can think oh i'm gonna try and play off one touch in tight spaces to break a press and just little things like that so i think just you know being like best prepared so if your sleep your nutrition your hydration um whether you want to take supplements like things like having your protein just because they're massive for recovery it's it's a fascinating insight because when i was doing a bit of research into you you know i was reading that you joined millwall and you joined london city at, at such a young age um so you've obviously been playing for such a long time and you've mentioned nutrition you've mentioned recovery you've mentioned stretching you've mentioned preparation were these learned skills throughout a period of time, or was this something that you were, you've mentioned you're organized. So, you know, were, did you have things in place of how you always wanted to, to be as a football player, or was there certain skills that came later in life as you, as you learned more about the game, for example, and um, you mentioned injuries, you know, you've had injuries in the past. Was there certain things that you've taken from that time out that you were able to apply now? for injury prevention so to speak yeah so i think um growing up i didn't i wasn't as strict as i as i am now when i was growing up in terms of nutrition hydration doing things like stretching and foam rolling mm -hmm. and i found within that time from when i started to play senior football from when i was 17 18 i was picking up silly knocks that would keep me out of training for a week or two at a time mm -hmm. and then i'd say in the last three or four seasons i've really been bang on with it so if I'm at work and like I know I have a game I'll have 
I'll go home the night before and I'll have my food prepped. So I had lunch yesterday when I was working and then after I had more food for my pregame. And it's just little things like that, like just taking 15 minutes to prepare a meal that's going to be high in protein for me, high in carbs with some vegetables so that I know I've put good stuff into my body. And even if I'm going to be tired, I'm still going to go out and I'm going to try and perform at my best. Um, I think it's definitely more learnt behaviour. So as I said, like growing up, you know, my mum's cooking me food. So it's kind of like, right, you eat what you're given and that's all there is. So now it's like I make a conscious choice to prepare my meals. Um, on certain days, I will still just, like if, she, if I've come in and she's made dinner, I will have that. But I just make a conscious effort with things like, buying snacks that are high in protein just because we need so much of it as athletes um and yeah just being prepared in that way really well you've mentioned your you know your food preparation to make sure you get the right protein the right carbs the right veggies as well and your snacks are high in protein and stuff do you take any supplements as well your bcaas your glutamine your whey protein anything like that that you feel gives you a bit of an edge yeah so i take um i take a whey protein it's like an overnight recovery protein as well so it's got some casein in it so i know that aids um recovery mm -hmm. and it's good to take it before bed um because i think that's when it's most effective um i do take i currently take some collagen supplements mm -hmm. uh, just because i have like a tendon issue so that really i find that that really helps mm -hmm. um settle the symptoms and it helps with my recovery so after a tough session um if it's been a really tough night and i'm feeling a bit sore i will come in and have one of those so i think mm -hmm. just the little things like that so there's always a big box of protein in my house or a big bag of protein and there's always collagen somewhere in the house as well and then it's like if that runs out then it's panic stations to try and get some uh, but i think little things like that like they really do help and like i mentioned before it's like it's just the one percent so even on the days when i'm tired and i'm like oh i just want to go to bed right i'll come in i'll have my protein shake if there's food left over from what i've prepared before training i'll have that or i'll just have you know high protein snacks and a little bit of carbs and then i'll get myself some sleep for the next day it's fascinating because it's you mentioned it right at the end the one percent it's that one percent that makes the difference it's that you know just going that little bit further than maybe what everyone else is going so you have that edge you have that optimal performance as you as you mentioned that one percent is that something that you've always had you want to push for that one percent or was this one percent something that you've discovered in the last number of years in relation to I want to be at my best so I'm going to do a little bit more was that something you learned from a mentor where did this one percent come from and what's behind that one percent because I want to touch on the motivating factors for Leanne Kaya what motivates you to play football what motivates you to perform at the elite level what motivates you to take football seriously what motivates you to compete at the highest level and I think that one percent is so key to understanding your motivational factors yeah so it was actually um at London City it was stressed to us you know if you do if you get one percent better at your nutrition your sleep your intensity and training you're going to become better. We're going to become better as a team. And if everyone gets 1% better every day, you know, we're going to be 50% better by the end of the week. So it was something that was, you know, drilled into us there. But I think over the last few years, you know, where I've had a couple of niggling injuries for me, it's like, right, this 1% helps me keep healthy. It helps me keep my intensity in training. It helps me go in and work hard every day. Um, so it's just something like to get the best out of myself. I know it's the little things that all add up and they help me get the best out of myself so that the team can get the best out of me mm -hmm. and I think like something that that has played on my mind is the times that I have missed games and I'm sat there thinking oh if I was in this game I'd love to play in this game I'd be doing this I'd be doing that but I'm sat there on the bench because I've had an injury or I've just come back into training so for me it's just like I want to get the one percent every day so that when I do go out and compete I am competing and I'm having an impact on the game I'm not just out there running around like I'm there and I'm like a physical presence on the pitch or I'm causing problems in other ways. So for me, it's, you know, every game that I play, I always look at it and I think, right, I did this, this and this. However, I can do this better. I can track back. I can be stronger in tackles. I can do this. So it's just always given me something to motivate myself to perform mm -hmm. better. And the way that you're going to do that is by building the small habits and they all build up. And as long as you maintain a strain of good habits, you can keep competing and then again, just analyze that performance and say, right, my next performance needs to be better than that. My next training session needs to be better than that. So I think that for me is the thing that motivates me, just always wanting to be better 
and always wanting to feel like I've had an impact on the game. So I think that that's what motivates me. And then at Palace, like the morale is really high. The girls are great. And it's just like, everyone wants to work for each other. So it's just like, right, I need to be better. So the game is easier for my forwards. I need to be better. So the game's easier for the defenders, for the other midfielders. So it's just about trying to get the best out of yourself to help the team as much as possible. I think that motivates me a lot as well. You mentioned something in passing there about the atmosphere at Palace. You've mentioned at the very, very start on the outset of the podcast, you know, about it's expected for high intensity and hard work at Palace. What, what's, is there something unique at Palace? You mentioned everybody works for each other. Everyone wants each other to do well because as a result, the teams do well. But what is Crystal Palace like? Give me a little bit of an insight to the atmosphere, the harmony and the expectations at Crystal Palace. So we have like, we have such a lovely bunch mm-hmm. and like everyone is just so chilled, so cool. We get onto the training pitch and I wouldn't say it's like a switch, but everyone then knows, right, it's time to work. Mm-hmm. And if there's people not working, like we're accountable, we tell each other, right, that pass needs to be better. That needs to go into our back foot. And we just always, I think we always demand the best from each other because the group is really talented and we know what we can do. And when we do it in spells, we look really, really good. So it's just trying to demand more from ourselves. So we get that more consistency in games and we can be more of a threat. Um, but the atmosphere is really good. Like for me, um, it's really local. Like it's literally around the corner. Mm-hmm. And I use the phrase, like I'd say for the last couple of seasons, because of injuries and frustrations and other external factors, I hadn't been enjoying the game as much. Mm-hmm. So there'd been a lot more more stress but like I go to training and I feel like I'm home so for me like it's close to home the group just make it such a nice place to be in like the staff are amazing as well and just the standards are so high so that's what we just drive off each other so every day in training right we had a good session yesterday today needs to be better we worked hard yesterday today we need to be even more intense so it's just like it's a great environment because you're allowed to be like vulnerable as well. So if we make mistakes, right, we hold our hands up, we be accountable and then we move on. And as long as we learn from it, that's the main thing. So there's just so much room to grow there. And like I said, that everyone's just so lovely. And when we're out there on the pitch, like there's always like two or three people in the team. Like personally, if I make a mistake, they'll be like to me, look, don't worry, head up, get the next one. So it's just like, it's just that thing of like, everyone's got everyone's back. It is like a little family. And for me, like, I played in a Millwall team years ago and we went 21 months unbeaten. Mm-hmm. And that was, I'd say, like one of the happiest times I've ever been in a football environment because the morale was just so high. I'd say like it's the only other time that I've felt like home in a team because it's just like the vibe is great. The sessions are great. Training's a really good intensity. And we can see like the growth that we've had from the first day of pre-season till now. Like it's actually amazing. So it's just a really good place to be. You've talked about how great a place it is. You've talked about, you know, the coaching staff, the girls that you're playing with and and how unique, fun, but challenging it is as well. A key word that you use is accountability. And I I love hearing that because I mentioned earlier, it's hard to be vulnerable sometimes, but to hold your hand up and say, look, I was accountable. That was a bad pass. Sorry, I gave the ball away and someone else turns around, maybe a leader in the team. Don't worry about it. Get the next one. There's that accountability factor. There's that acknowledgement factor, but there's also that factor where you've decided I'm going to do better next time. And I'm, I'm sorry for this. I've let the team down, but I'm not going to let it happen again. And then you move on and you progress from there. That's a phenomenal place to be, I think, as a team and as a player. Um, and obviously you mentioned it being one of the happiest times in your career so far. And that's that's a testament to you know the club, the squad, the staff, everything that's happening at Crystal Palace. And I think it's brilliant to hear. Um, I want to touch on something. You know, you've had your injuries, but you're you're playing now, you're feeling good. What do you do specifically now to help prevent injuries? And what do you do to help aid your recovery after? after a game or maybe if you pick up a little knock what have you learned from your period you know maybe off having injuries and knocks and things like that and how do you challenge and take on those challenges now so something I learned when I was young I would be if I picked up a knock in a game or in training you know I'm thinking right I'm enjoying the session or I'm or I'm playing in this game and I feel like I'm doing well and I'd maybe play through it and then train through it and I wouldn't be as honest with the physio but mm-hmm. obviously learned the hard way that that's not the way to go so just open communication um, with the physios in the SNC team so you know weekly 
I report to the physio about how I felt throughout the week, if anything has triggered me feeling worse, if anything has helped, if there's anything specific, like any specific movements that have caused me any discomfort. Um, and then like what I do to prevent, so I do, um, I have like an isometric program that I do uh, three, four times a week, depends on if we have a normal week or like, so this week we had like a game Sunday, game Wednesday. Um, and it's just about like doing those things. So on the days, if I do feel a bit sore, I'll just say to the physio, oh, can I come in and do some isometrics before we go out for the session? And that just helps settle my symptoms. And it's just the little things like that. So just getting to training a little bit earlier, doing some stretching, foam rolling, doing some isometrics, and then just like having good communication and being honest with the physio, because then it's like, if I get to a certain point where I've covered a certain amount of distance or I've done a certain amount of high speed running, they'll then maybe like, if we have top ups or sprints at the end, say, right, you're going to sit these ones out because um, we're just monitoring you or just like the little things like that so mm. I think just being open and honest with communication for me mm. is is a big thing and just having that trust with them and even if I find it frustrating I'll I might have to miss this part of the session it's right it's from it's for my own like it's the best interest at heart so even if it's frustrating and I'm standing here moaning because I have to watch like we're doing it for the greater good mm -hmm. and then if I feel like if I wake up the next day and I feel better, I'm like, okay, yeah, they, they know what they're doing. So I think it's just that, like having that trust and then like just the little things like having my supplements, getting the protein in mm -hmm. and like diet obviously plays a big part in that. So like high protein diet and then, yeah, just like the little things like isometrics, foam rolling, uh, they're really key to like recovery and just staying on top of um, managing my body at this point. The communication, the honesty and the trust, I think that's vital, you know, um, between yourself and obviously the staff members there. But what's really good is we talked about the 1% earlier and the 1% that you're always striving for. It's almost indirectly the 1% that they do as well when they take, when they prevent you from doing something that could cause a strain indirectly that also helps your game. And I, I just think that's really, really cool. Um, what about um, like massages or ice baths or heat therapy? Has anything like that ever worked for you? And have you tried anything of those? Yeah, so I, um, during the time before pre-season, I had about six weeks, like I say, I was in the gym, like four times a week, just doing loads of sessions on top of working as well. Um, and the physio I was working with at the time just said to me, like I messaged him one day and I was like, oh, I'm really struggling, like I'm feeling like just sore everywhere today. Uh, I think I'd had like a really hard day the day before and he just said to me, just have an ice bath. Mm -hmm. And I had it and I used to do them like really consistently, um, always in the off season when I was like, preparing to go back to training and I just find for me even though it can be unpleasant when you get in and I hate being cold as well so <laughs> not something that I actually enjoy but you know everyone's different so for me I find that I do get out of the ice bath and then I do feel better you know as the blood starts to come back into my legs and I wake up the next day and I'm like oh okay I'm ready to go again um so you know if I am feeling really sore you know put myself through 12 minutes of pain essentially mm -hmm. Um, just to try and get those benefits or on the days like that I am feeling something um, we have like a thing that we have to fill out every morning saying if we're sore somewhere saying if we need assessment massage or etc before training so you know on a couple of those days I might just be like oh could I just have this loosened off or that loosened off and that always helps because it's just getting the stress out of the area as well. Fascinating insight and for any young person or anyone who's professional or semi-pro or whatever and you're looking to you know improve your performance there's a lot of lessons here that we've covered already and we haven't even got to my favorite section yet which is the mindset but we've got a lot of lessons here already you know about your nutrition about your sleep pattern about the one percent about hard work about trust about communication and i trust that anyone listening to this is going to take those lessons and if they apply them they too can find that extra one percent in their game as well I want to ask you a couple of questions because you moved, you were at Millwall and the Lionesses for so long. And I apologize if I keep calling it Millwall instead of uh, London City, but um, forgive, forgive me, forgive me for that. Um, you were there for so long and you made the switch to Crystal Palace. So talk to me about the coaching style, the attributes of the coach and what you believe brings the best out in you. What, what qualities in a coach brings out the best in Leanne? Uh, well, the coaching style at Palace is really good. Like they want us to have the ball, have a lot of the ball. And a lot of it is just about being brave enough to get on the ball, to get onto the ball in tight spaces. So they encourage us maybe 
So for me, like I'm one of those people, I, I don't like to give the ball away, but they encourage you to get into situations where you might put yourself under pressure. Um, and then if you're successful with it, you're praised. If not, right, come back, right, next time, see if you can do this or do that. And I just think the coaches, they have such great knowledge of the game. Like it's actually amazing. We sit there in analysis and we'll watch a clip where we've popped the ball and we've got out and you say, right, rewind it. Like we've got this pass here, we've got this pass here. We can also do X, Y, Z to get out. So this is a good passage. Here's another way we can get out and another way. And it's just always knowledge of like every day I go to training, I learn something. Mm -hmm. Like I'd say I learn at least five things every day I go to training. And I just think that is good because I see the game in a different way now. And I, I recognize things quicker and I can still do it quicker, but it's just getting that first recognition of, oh, this is our pass to get out, right? This is the run I need to make. And it just happens at such pace. So I think the coaching style, like they're really demanding from us, but it's because like I said before, they know the quality we have in the group. They know the intensity that we can work at. And we're just always encouraged to, breathe, to be brave, get on the ball, and if we make mistakes, right, it's fine. Just learn from it. And next time, you know, that's your pass out. So I think the coaching style is really good, even though it can be quite demanding. Um, but I think I respond best to that. So if I make a mistake and someone turns around to me and says, right, that's not good enough, you know, next time you need to look after the ball. The next time I get it, right, find someone's feet or do something where we're not losing possession. But the coaching style is really good because it just encourages us to play free-flowing football and just encourages us to get on the ball, pass it, move it around. You know, that's how we wear teams out. So it is, um, it's a really good environment and the coaches there are always, always on us, but it's because the expectations are high because we have that within us. So they're always just trying to get the best out of us. It's interesting that you've said that because when the, when the coaching staff tell you to be brave, it almost involves more risk. And when you involve more risk, you know, with being brave, you almost are open to giving the ball away a bit more because you want to be brave, you want to take risks and you want to play in the front foot and you want to keep possession and you want to move the ball and you want to attack and you do all those sort of things. You said you respond better to someone even, you know, demanding more from you if you've made a mistake. Is it difficult at times in analysis if there is criticism that comes your way or is that just something you take as with a pinch of salt and say, okay, cool, I'll take that on board and I'm going to do better? No, I think it's it's the whole part about being accountable mm -hmm. so it's just recognizing that okay this is the error that i've made and you know you have to just be honest with it because there's no point lying about it thinking oh well, they don't know what they're talking about because they do and usually like i'm one of those players if i make a mistake i try to be honest i hold my hands up and say look my bad mm -hmm. that was poor from me I'll be better next time but it's just it's something that you have to take with a pinch of salt because that's the only way you're going to learn and get better so you have to respond to criticism in the right way. It's not a personal dig at you. Mm -hmm. It's just an observation about what you could have done better in that situation. So for me, accountability is a really big thing. So like if I pass the ball to someone and it's not to their back foot, so they can't turn out, oh, sorry, should have gone to your back foot. It's just the little things because it, if people see you recognising it as well, they're like, oh, okay, she knows. Mm -hmm. So it's just that whole part. And like I say, it's how you grow because when you, you make mistakes yeah you are going to be vulnerable but if you learn from the mistakes and you can pick the right pass the next time out that's how you're going to get better as a player i find a lot of the stuff that we're talking about it all comes from a strong mindset it brings me on to my our next topic the match fit mindset and accountability the demanding of more from you you know the the atmosphere at the club the hard work ethic the trying and striving for the 1%, the nutrition, the diet, everything, the sleep pattern that goes alongside that, that has to come from a mindset or a mentality where you have decided, I want to play at my optimum level or my peak performance level. In your opinion, what is the importance of having that strong mindset? Because it almost filters everything that you do and it keeps that guideline on everything you do if your mind is strong but in your opinion how important is that for you to have that mindset and i know you're working with the sports psychologist and stuff and that's obviously benefited you and um, but that mindset is that key for you yeah definitely uh, your mindset is where your discipline comes from mm -hmm. so even on the days when i show up to training and i'm tired because i've been working all day it's like right we're tired but it doesn't matter because now we're at training and we have to perform. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's finding a way to push yourself on the days when you are tired or you are feeling leggy. And at the same time, like I said, like that's where my discipline comes from. So, Oh, I'm tired. Oh, I don't really want to cook food. Should 
I order a takeaway. No, I'm going to eat things that are good for my body that are going to aid my nutrition and not, you know, prevent it or things that aren't going to be as good for my recovery. So I think mindset is really important because it's the thing that drives you as well. So having a strong mindset allows you to be accountable, allows you to be open to your mistakes that you've made and then improve on them. So I think it's really key because there are going to be like times where it's not going well for you and you just have to stick to your good habits and stick in your routine because once your standards start to drop there, they start to drop in other places. So if I'm not getting enough sleep, I'm not going to be able to perform as well because I'm going to be more tired. And it's just, like I said before, it's the little 1%. So if you can stay disciplined and have a strong mindset and stick to good habits, it really does help. So like I said in the past, I wasn't as disciplined with sleep, nutrition. I was working a lot when I was playing part-time before and I wasn't doing the little things that could help me train better. So some days I'd get to training and be like, can't really be bothered but it's literally now it's like right I'm at training I'm tired but I knew I was going to be tired and I need to push through and give everything I've got and make sure I'm switched on and ready to go because it's not acceptable to turn up and not give your best so even if I'm not having the best night if everyone can see that I'm still working hard and I'm trying it's then acceptable but if I show up to training I'm having an off session and then I'm not working as hard or I'm not communicating as well or I'm not putting like holding myself accountable for things that's not acceptable so it's just having a strong mindset in the way of you have to push yourself when things get hard and being open and honest and you mentioned that earlier being open and honest to say to yourself this isn't acceptable you know maybe when you aren't performing at that level and that obviously comes from your confidence level that comes from how you see yourself and how you view yourself mentally and the standards that you've set for yourself and the goals that you've laid out for yourself that you're able to turn around and say no this isn't acceptable i'm being a little sloppy and one of the best pieces of advice that i ever got was train like you want to play because if you train sloppy you'll play sloppy and that was something that i heard very very early on um in terms of challenges for you you know when you've turned up to training and it hasn't gone well maybe you've played a match and it hasn't gone well and you're trying really hard and it's almost like everything you do doesn't work and you know you've had a horrible game when you come home and you're frustrated and you're gutted and you're down and you feel just ugh about that performance how do you get over it how do you get over those hurdles to get up and go again the next day so one thing that for me, like, I overanalyze everything. It's like the type of personality I have. So if I do have a session that's off or have an off game, for me, it's being able to initially switch off from it. So if the game's already been uploaded, I'll rewatch the first 10 minutes and I have like a list of targets that I have to try and hit in those first 10 minutes. So I watch that and then I openly evaluate that first 10 minutes and think, okay, right. But once I've done that, we hit pause as soon as it hits 10 laptop goes away or a film goes on and it's about switching off. Mm -hmm. And there's like a, a phrase about it, like the 24 hour rule. So yeah. for the time that I'm driving home from the game or I'll watch that first 10 minutes right after that, take 24 hours, not ignore how I feel like feel all those feelings and then sit there and reflect like when we do go into film or analysis the next day or I watch it the next day and then reflect openly and honestly and say, right, that's a pass I should have paid. That's a mistake I shouldn't have made. I should be tracking this runner. Um, and it's about, even though it's important to analyze things and look back on your performance, you do have to give your mind a rest because nothing is ever as, as you think it has gone. So there will still be good moments. So there was a game we played before and I was like, oh, that was terrible. Like, it was so bad. That's the worst day of my life. Like generally felt like, oh, never want to play again. But take the 24 hours, watch it back and then still pick out the positives because there will be positives in there. Um, and then, like I say, when you go through it, you analyse it. These are the lessons we learn and you draw a line under it. And then for me, like since that game, like that's the only motivation that I've needed. So when I show up on a tired day and I'm thinking, or yeah, I'm a bit tired, or it's been a long day at work, it's been a long couple of days at work. But that doesn't matter now, because I never want to feel how I felt after that game. And I think for me, it's just the thing of like, you feel like you let people down. And it's just like, for me, it's like, I don't ever want to feel like that again. So regardless of how my body feels, we're going to put the work in, and we're not going to have that feeling. Um, so I think it is important that 
you take the time that you need to feel those feelings. So for me last night, like when I drove home from the game, thought about how I felt about it. As soon as I got in, right, switch off, put a film on, listen to some music, right, I'm going to go to sleep. And then didn't really think about it today until I watched it back. So it's important to give your mind a rest as well, because you do overthink things and you overthink the mistakes that you've made. And then you sort of cloud over the positive moments in the game you've had. So I think it's important to analyse things and to be constructive, but also to just give yourself a rest at the same time. So feel how you want to feel, whether it's an hour, half an hour, and then draw a line under it, relax, have some me time to switch off, because that's really important, because otherwise you're just going to wear yourself out more mentally and you're just going to keep getting more stressed about it. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, analyze, analyzing and reflecting is one thing, but if you had a came home last night on, and on impulse overanalyzed every single decision that you made in that game, and then all of a sudden you're up four o'clock in the morning, not sleeping, then your sleep patterns ruined and then you're eating sloppy the next day. And it just kind of feeds into bad habits. And I think you're right in terms of the overanalyzing, you switch off mentally and then you come at it with a fresh mindset the next day. And I think that's vital. And that's a lesson I think for anyone listening to this, it's vital if you're wanting to progress progress in the game that you, you can learn to switch off because you can overanalyze and mentally just tax your brain to the point where you're just mentally fatigued. And that's not good for you. It's not good for the team. It's not good for anybody. Um, another topic I wanna to touch on is your confidence. Um, where does your confidence come from? Where does the decision to, when the coach says to you, be brave, be brave on the ball. Tell me about your confidence. So confidence is something I actually struggle with. I, mm -hmm. I always have like, since, since I was young, like if there's a risky ball to play or there's a safe pass, like I'm that person that's going to choose the safe pass, but don't give the ball away. Um, which me and my psychologists have talked about not using the word don't. So that's, that's, a, that's a process we're currently going through and just framing it as right, complete a pass, because then it's not, you're not thinking of when you use the word, don't you just spiral into a negative train of thought. And you always think the worst thing's going to happen from when you do give the ball away. Um, so for me, confidence is just about, I don't know, like I'd, I'd say confidence comes from my work rate. So from working hard, making it hard for the other team to play out, you know, winning the ball back off the press or just making it hard for them. That's something if I'm getting in so that we can play out and just, you know, being part of us popping the ball to each other in the tight spaces. But I don't know, like it's not really something that I think about a lot. I think mm. just not overthinking things for me helps with confidence a lot. And it's just like recognizing the small things. So if someone punches the ball into me and I have a good touch and I can go forward off that touch, like that makes me feel confident having a good pass, having a good delivery. If I'm crossing the ball, if I pick someone out, if I make the right run, just all the little things that build into like a good performance or a good night in training. That's where I get my confidence from. And I just think again, like for me, I think, like I said before, it comes from work rate. Right? So if I'm up and down and I'm making it difficult for the person that I'm playing against that, that gives me some confidence because I know I'm wearing them out. And then when I get on the ball, I'll be braver because I know they're feeling a bit more tired. So, mm. yeah, I think confidence to me is just recognising when you have done something well and just telling yourself that was a good part. That was a good touch. That was a good pass. Mm -hmm. well, we've made a good run here. We're in a good position. Uh, just little things like that, really. Yeah, just that sort of acknowledgement, the positive affirmation of I've done things right. I'm consistent. I'm doing things consistently right all the time. An important thing as well is sometimes not to overanalyze if something goes wrong. You know, sometimes when something goes wrong, we as humans, we have this habit of blaming ourselves or saying, I wish it didn't do that or whatever. But sometimes you have to step back and say, that was just brilliance from the other person. You know, when Salah the other week, for example, cut in past Laporte and scored that really good goal. Sometimes you have to just say, you know what, that was just brilliant. You know, other people might say defender could have done better there, but he showed him onto his weak foot and Sal took it in his weak foot anyway. You know, sometimes you just have to say brilliance and it is what it is yeah. and get away from that overanalyzing. No, definitely. Um, we're going to begin to wrap this up because I've kept you for around 45 minutes already and I feel bad on your night off. Um, I know you're hard at it. You're, oh, back, at, you you're back at it tomorrow. Um, as, we, as we continue this, what in long term and short term are your goals for this season and for yourself going forward in your career? You know, we've talked about you want to play at the optimal level. Is that the goal that you've set and you just see where it takes you or tell me more in depth about your goal setting? 
yeah, I think for me, I always look short term just because I think it's important to acknowledge being in the moment, being present, um, because that helps you stay focused and on track. Um, so for me, it's just staying at a level where I can perform well and help the team and train well and just come in every day and work hard. Um, someone once told me that I wasn't committed enough um, to the team training. And for me, like I took it really personally. So that I think that's another thing that motivates me because it's just like, you know, someone once thought I couldn't be bothered. I wasn't committed. I didn't work hard. So for me, it's just like every session, every game, come in, work hard, train well, play well. Like you said earlier, train how you play. And that's definitely driven into us at Palace. And they actually tried to make our sessions harder than games so that it is easier for us in the games. Like we had a really hard week last week and like everyone was on their last legs, but it gave us such good preparation for our game at the weekend. And then we went out and played really well. So it really does work. Um, so for me, short term, it's just about staying fit, you know, waking up every day, doing the right things, good habits, being consistent with it, showing up to training, being consistent, working hard and just continuing to improve and just always thinking, oh, right, well, I might have trained well tonight, but I need to train even better tomorrow. So for me, it's just all about the next session, the next game, just because I think it helps me stay like in the moment. It helps me stay focused and grounded. I mean, longer term, I mean, I'm, I'm like 25 now, so I'm actually classed as an experienced player, <laughs> uh, which I find difficult. Because when, when I started out, I was like one of the youngsters of 17, 18. Um, so for me, it was, like, oh, I want to play so many games. But for me, I just want to stay fit, stay healthy, keep training, keep playing and just keep improving and just, you know, putting across the best account of myself every session, every game so that I can just compete to be in that starting 11. Um, or if I'm not in that starting 11, just, you know, be the first one coming in off the bench to try and have an impact on the game. And just, I think mainly to keep enjoying it because it's a great feeling when you do enjoy football. And I don't think there's anything better because, you know, you feel free, you have the chance to express yourself. It's a great game to play. And when you've got such a good bunch around you as well, it is really enjoyable. So I think, you know, my short-term goals keep improving, keep learning and just, you know, keep working hard, really. You talked earlier on about Crystal Palace and being so happy, you know, at the club. And you've mentioned there the joy of playing football and how much fun you have playing football and expressing yourself. Sometimes we overanalyze, and we've used overanalyze a lot on this podcast, but sometimes you do overanalyze football and sometimes it is the simplicity of you've prepared properly, your nutrition's on point, your diet's on point, your sleep pattern's on point, you've done everything that you can to play, and now it is just about playing and enjoying the game. Um, how important is that enjoyment factor in football for you? I think it's massive. Um, you know, when I was growing up, I always enjoyed it, whether we, well, obviously I hate losing. I'm very competitive, but <laughs> at the same time, when I was, when I was at Millwall, when I was younger, because we weren't, you know, like a top standout team growing up, like it was a shock really if we beat people, <laughs> but there was still that enjoyment of like, you know, the camaraderie, being part of a team and just going out and doing what you love. But I just think, you know, in the last few years where I haven't enjoyed it as much, like now I see how happy I am. And it really makes a difference of how much you can push yourself. Because like I said, even on the days where I'm tired or I'm feeling sore, like you find a way to get through it and you do it because you're like, well, I do it because I'm like, I don't want to let anyone down. And I love being part of this group. And I want them to know that no matter how I'm feeling, I'm always going to give 100% of everything I have. So I think for me, it just, you know, it makes me want to run for a brick wall for this team, honestly, because like, you just see it and you, when you see the other people working and it's like, it's infectious. Like you see other people pressing and working really hard. And you think, you know what, I'm coming with you to do that. And we're going to do it together. And then the next person goes and it's, it's a chain reaction and it just installs good habits into everyone. So I think enjoyment is such a big part of it because when you're in an environment where you are enjoying it, you know, you're going to put yourself through so much more work. You're going to train at higher intensity and you're just going to get the best out of yourself and the others around you. 
that's it, isn't it? You know, we've talked about the enjoyment. You know, we've talked earlier on about the happiness at the club. When we talked about your motivation, you talked about playing at the at the optimal level. You've talked about running through a brick wall for your teammates because you're enjoying your football, because of the camaraderie and and everything that bonds that goes alongside that. In terms of the love for the game, you obviously love football. You love the enjoyment of it. You love playing. You love training. You love everything about it. If I can scratch the surface a little bit, what made you fall in love with football? Was it the expression? Was it the joy? Was it the freedom? Was it a certain player? Was it a family member? I think uh, when I was young, I was a really big tomboy. So <laughs> just my mum said, like, from when I could walk, you know, she wanted me to be a ballet dancer because I've got a brother. Um, yeah. So she thought, right, I've got one boy and one girl and he can do all the sporty things and she can be a dancer because she was like, she trained as a ballet dancer herself. So mm. For me, she just said the second I could walk, I wanted to kick a ball. So I just think the love's just been part of my life since mm. I could walk, really. Mm-hmm. And just that feeling that it gives you, I think, like you said, the freedom, just because, you know, no matter what else is going on in life, it really is an escape. So mm-hmm. whether I have stress at work or general everyday life stress, because, you know, sometimes life's hard. Let's, yeah. let's not joke. But um, it just gives you that time to escape and, for the two hours or three hours that I'm at training, I'm I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm just thinking about football and it just, it gives you such a mental release and obviously the endorphins you get from the exercise and just everything else. Like even on the nights where sessions are really hard and you think, oh, that session was really hard. I'm so tired. But at the same time, I feel so good mm-hmm. because I know like I've just gone out. I've had so much fun. I've learned so much. And it just gives you that mental break from everything else that you have going on as well. So I think for me, there's just been like early love from the game and, you know, watching football as I grew up, someone I always loved to watch was Ronaldinho. And, you know, he he always played football with a smile on his face, whether he was doing something amazing with the ball, scoring ridiculous goals, even when he's been like fouling people, getting yellow cards, like you see him in the photos, he's always played with a smile on his face Mm -hmm. and, when I was younger, I actually always used to play with like the biggest smile on my face and all the parents used to be like, how is she smiling there? And I just feel like I just in the moment, like that love is that deep that, you know, it's just something that he was my favorite player. And that's always what he used to do, you know, whether his team was winning or losing. And, you know, that's something that I always used to do. And then I think just the freedom from it as well. So it's just, it's quite a well-rounded thing of like, you know, playing football with my brother and my friends at school growing mm-hmm. up and, throughout secondary school as well I had a really close group of friends and everywhere we went in the school we had a football with us and we were like we were known as the, oh they're the football girls like we were like <laughs> football, football crew so to speak because we always had a football or a basketball or something in our hands and we'd go outside and play just like every day and you know just love yeah just the love of the game just enjoying it and just thinking what an amazing thing to do it is what an amazing thing to do and what an amazing thing to do at such a at such a level that you're doing it at as well you know to make it the level that you're doing it at and to still strive for more on top of that enjoyment on top of that freedom it's it's absolutely phenomenal and like i said you know for the people listening to this podcast there's so many lessons to be learned from from listening to you about everything that you've said i don't want to recap everything because there's so much in here and so much quality content and i feel bad asking this next question because we could literally say the the previous 40 minutes of this podcast is the answer to this question but if you could give one piece of advice to a young person a young player someone who's close to going pro or maybe is professional and what would it be what piece of advice would you like to share oh it's one piece (laughs) it's tough because i I, I ramble a lot so that's pretty tough um i think i'm actually gonna have to think about it's quite hard um i think just never take the game for granted Mm -hmm. so you know always go out every every time you get the chance to play like not to be a downer on anything but you know like every time you go out and play like that could be your last time you don't want to look back and have any regrets so just Mm -hmm. I think always give your best always work hard and never take it for granted and I think it took me having the injuries that I've had to realize that and which is why I go out every day and just try and work as hard as I can and be coachable and take things on board that people are giving me the advice I'm having and you know have your good habits and your discipline but just never take it for granted because, you know, you don't want to look back 
in 10, 15 years and think, oh, if I was a little bit more disciplined, mm -hmm. if I ate better, if I slept better, if I did the little things that add up into the good habits, you know, I could have made it. I think whatever you put your mind to, you can achieve. Mm -hmm. um, like as humans, we're really driven. So just always work hard, always empty the tank and, you know, just never take the chance to play football for granted because there's going to come a day where you can't play anymore and you'll look mm -hmm. back and you will really miss it. And like I said, like sitting out with injuries has taught me that. Um, and that's why, like I say, every day, it's just right. Get up and go like we're empty in the tank and we're going to get better. That is it, isn't it? Don't take anything for granted. Have no regrets. And when you are doing it, almost a circle back, way back to the start of the podcast, that 1%, push yourself every day for that extra 1%. And I agree with you. Phenomenal piece of advice. This whole podcast has been phenomenal advice from you for any of our listeners to apply to their games. I know you're getting a little bit um, embarrassed there when I said that, but it is it is the oh, truth. I'm quite shy, uh, so yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, where can people connect with you on social media to continue to follow your journey, whether that be Twitter, Facebook, Instagram? Where can people follow you? Well, I have all three, but I don't really use Facebook anymore. It's kind of just there. Um, so I'm on Twitter. Um, I don't even know what my handle is. I think <laughs> it's just Leanne Cowan. Mm -hmm. At Leanne Cowan 96. Um, and then Instagram as well. Um, at underscore Leanne 96. And then another underscore. Um, so yeah, I'm on there. And if anyone wants to reach out or has any questions or wants just to connect and have a chat, I'm more than happy to connect with people and you know, try and help because for me growing up, like having role models was a really big thing, but I think having like people that you can talk to that are accessible, yeah. you know, that can just give you like little gems here and there. Um, it's massive. And, you know, the next generation, especially like a female footballers, like they're just getting better and better. So, you know, being able to support anyone that wants to reach out I'm more than happy to. There you have it, folks. You have an open invite to send Leanna a message um, on any of the forms of social media that you can find her on. Um, she is everywhere. I recommend following her on Instagram. You'll see some stories. You'll see some stuff from the football and everything alongside that. But Leanne, this has been a phenomenal conversation. Um, wish you well for the season ahead. For any of the guys listening to this, remember Match Fit Football, YouTube, Facebook and Instagram. Check that out. Leanne, thank you for your time today. You mentioned you could ramble. I'm from Belfast. People are lucky this podcast isn't two and a half to three hours long, but this has been a phenomenal conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Darren. It's been a pleasure.